Every Christian husband knows Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. Even if they cannot find the reference, they know that the Bible somewhere says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. And we love to tell our wives this verse. And yet how often do we consider what this verse actually says about us as husbands? We need to consider that this verse demonstrates that in our homes, men, we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be like Christ. Certainly it does say that wives are to submit to husbands, but it also says, husbands, we are supposed to be men who are worthy of that submission. As we consider this morning the role of husbands, and next Sunday morning the role of wives in the marriage, I've entitled this two-lesson series, A Test of Faith. Because regrettably, we have a tendency at times to compartmentalize our lives. We have church, and that's where we look at the Bible. And then we have work, and that's where we do work things. And then we have home, and that's where we do home things. But we need to recognize that the Bible governs every aspect of our life. And God has given to us His will regarding how we are supposed to act in our homes. And men, God has given us a very great responsibility. And it is not an easy job that God has given us. This is very much a test of our faith. God has told us how to live in our homes. The question we now have to ask is, am I going to do what God said? Or am I going to do things my own way? The question is not answered when times are easy. Anybody can do what God says when the times are easy. The question is, am I even going to do what God says when times are tough? Do I really believe Him that His way is the best way? Because men, if we are not living the way God says in our homes, we are failing faith tests. And so we need to examine our lives and how we are living in our homes. As we consider the husband's role in the home, I believe there are two words that govern or demonstrate or summarize what our job is. Our job is to lead with love. We're supposed to be leaders in our home, and we're supposed to be lovers in our home. If you look again in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, verse 23 it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. When we look at the aspects of leadership and headship, we recognize that Jesus Christ is our example. And so, men, as we want to figure out how we're supposed to behave in our homes, why don't we just look at how Jesus leads His church? The very first thing we recognize is that as the leader, as the head, Jesus is in authority over His church. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, the Scripture says, And He put all things under His feet, that is, under Christ's feet, and gave them to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Certainly in the church... Jesus is the authority figure. What Jesus says goes. His decision stands. And the church is to follow whether we understand, agree, or not. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Jesus is the head. We trust Him and follow Him 
even when we don't understand or agree. And that's the husband's role in the home. He is the head. He is the leader. He is the final authority in the home. He makes the final decisions and His will stands. And the rest in the home are supposed to follow, whether they agree, understand, or not. But let's keep in mind that with Jesus, His authority was qualified. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 27. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 27, the Scripture there says that for He has put all things under His feet, saying the same things as Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. God has put all things, the Father has put all things under the Son's feet. But when He says all things are put under Him, it is evident that He who put all things under Him is accepted. We're told that the Son has all authority in the church. In Matthew 28, He said, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. But we learn that He did not have authority over the Father. In fact, the Father continued to have authority over Him. Notice what Jesus says in John chapter 5 and verse 19. In John chapter 5 and verse 19, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. Notice also in John chapter 5 and verse 30, I can of Myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and My judgment is righteous, because I do not seek My own will, but the will of the Father who sent Me. Look in John 12 and verse 49. In John chapter 12 and verse 49, Jesus uttered the same sentiment saying, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. Jesus has all authority in the church, but He says, I am still submitting to my Father. I don't do whatever I want to do. I do what my Father has said. Men, we have authority in our homes. But that doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want to do. That doesn't mean the home is there for our every whim and desire. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11, 3, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Just as the Son would say in His authority, I only do what the Father wants me to do. Men, we are supposed to be able to say the same thing. I have authority in the home, but I only do what Christ wants me to do. I don't speak on my own. This isn't about me. This isn't about my will. This is about Christ's will. And that is how our authority is supposed to be used in the home. Secondly, when we look at Jesus' headship and leadership, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23 not only said He was the head, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. According to Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, the Scripture there tells us, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Think about how impressive that is. Here is one who has all authority, all power. And how did He use it? to save the ones over whom He had authority. He did not use His authority as some type of tyrant to get His own will. He used His authority to provide what was needed for those who were under Him. 
And husbands, that is exactly what we're supposed to be in our homes. The Savior of our homes, if you will. Our duty is not to exercise our authority with tyranny, but rather to exercise our authority in order to benefit those who are under our submission. I recognize, obviously, in the absolute sense, we can't save our family. We cannot provide the sacrifice that allows them to go to heaven. Jesus did that. But our role in general is to provide what is needed, to provide for their benefit, not use them for our benefit, but specifically, we need to recognize that leaders are supposed to be leading people somewhere. Where are we supposed to be leading our homes? To heaven. That's why we're the heads of our homes, to help our wives and our children go to heaven. That's our job. Look in Hebrews 13, 17. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, we most often apply Hebrews 13 and 17 to elders in a church. And it certainly does apply, but it equally applies to the heads of a home. It says in Hebrews 13 and 17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Men, we need to understand this very clearly. When we stand before God in judgment, we will give account for the souls that were in our homes. And when we stand before God in judgment, He is going to be looking at our wives and our children, whether or not they were saved and whether or not they were lost, and He's going to be looking at us and holding that to our account. And we better be able to say if they're saved, they were saved because of me, not in spite of me. And we better be able to say if they are lost, that they were lost in spite of me and not because of me. Men, we do our best to make sure our wives get into the nicest, nicest houses they can and get into the nicest cars they can. We do our best to make sure our kids can get into the best universities in, on the planet and to get into the best sports programs we can imagine. What are we doing to make sure our families are going to get into heaven? That is our job. And believe you me, if our families don't make it, they won't care what house they lived in for all their lives. And they won't care what car they drove. And they won't care what school they went to or how much baseball and soccer they played. They'll have eternity. But think about the fact they didn't make it into heaven. Our job as leaders of our family is to get our family to heaven before anything else. We need to be the Savior of our family. Jesus, as leader of the church, is an example. In fact, if we look in Ephesians chapter 5 and we read these verses again from verse 23 on down to verse 33, we would see that clearly Jesus is the example for husbands. Jesus is the example for His church. We can look in Ephesians 5, 1, and there it says, "...be imitators of God as dear children." We can look in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, it says, For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps and committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth. Peter says Christ was our example, and we're supposed to be like Him. We can look in Hebrews chapter 2, and we find amazingly enough that Jesus was not willing to stay up on high and 
give out decisive directives just telling us what to do. Rather, He came down here and lived among us and went through what we went through and set the example for us. Look in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He Himself likewise shared in the same, that through death He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed He does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus came into the world and lived as one of us. And now he's able to aid us. By his example, he helps us. He was not willing to sit on high and say, do as I say, not as I do. Husbands, that's supposed to be us. We're supposed to be the examples for our family. We're supposed to live properly before them at all times so that our wives and our children can see how godly people behave. That's our job. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Just as Paul wrote to Timothy as an evangelist to live as an example, this same principle applies to us men. We might say instead of let no one despise your youth, say let no one despise your authority, but be an example to the family in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. That's our job. We shouldn't sit in our easy chairs telling our families how they're supposed to live. We should be up living properly so they can see it. Jesus was an example. We need to be an example as well. As we consider Jesus' headship, His leadership, we recognize that Jesus, of course, was a servant. He served those who were under Him. Look in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, Jesus said, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. The most powerful being in the universe comes down to the earth not to have service from all of us, but in order to serve us. And then as He taught His disciples in Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said there in Luke 22, 25, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. So he told the apostles, those who have authority over your job is to serve them. Husbands, he's saying the same thing to us. Our duty is to serve our families. Our families are not there to be our servants. They're not there to be directed to accomplish our every whim and desire. We are there to serve them and help them grow and help them go to heaven. That's our job. That's what it means to be a leader as Christ is a leader. But what about love? Look in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. 
In Ephesians 5 and verse 25, Paul again said, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. Just as we find our standard of leadership from Jesus, we find our standard of love from Jesus as well. How did Jesus love? First of all, Jesus loved without condition. The term used here to describe Jesus' love for the church is that term that we've heard so much about, agapeo. We know what that means. That means unconditionally. And that love is demonstrated in Romans chapter 5. Look in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, Paul described Jesus' love saying, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus' love was not the knee-jerk reaction to our lovableness or our awesomeness or all that we had done for Him because He loved us while we were sinners. His love was the conscious choice to love those who even didn't love Him back and to do what was best for them no matter what. That was Jesus' love for us. And we're told, husbands, to love our wives in the exact same way. Unconditional. Even if our wives have become our enemies. Oh, I've heard some awful things about wives. And I've seen some really bad wives. Paul didn't say, love your wives as long as they're lovable. He said, love them just like Jesus loved us, unconditionally. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 defines the love that we are supposed to have. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, the Scripture there says, Love suffers long and it's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Do you do that for your wife? Can you say that about your wife? Edwin suffers long with Marita. Edwin is kind to Marita. Edwin doesn't envy Marita. Edwin is not, does not parade himself over Marita. Is not puffed. Can you say that with your wife? We need to consider that. Look in Colossians 3.19. Because perhaps Colossians 3.19 demonstrates one of the most difficult aspects of the love that's commanded of us husbands, this unconditional love, just as the Lord loved us. He says, Husbands, love your wives, and do not be bitter toward them. The idea of bitterness here is the idea of being exasperated. Just don't do it. Even when your wife does something exasperating, just says we're still supposed to love her. And deal with her patiently and tenderly and lovingly. Because even when we exasperated Jesus, He climbed up that hill and was nailed to a cross for us. Sadly to say, 
men today have this idea that, oh, if I fall out of love and I don't love my wife anymore, I'll just divorce her and find someone I do love. Then you need to understand, not only does the Bible not give you authority for divorce in that situation, it doesn't even give you authority not to love your wife. I believe it was Paul Earnhardt I heard was in a marriage counseling session. And the fellow just said to him, I, you know, I just don't know. I just don't love her anymore. What should I do? And Brother Earnhardt looked at him, you need to repent, sinner. And then if you don't love your wives, that's God's directive for you. Love in our marriage was not God's hope for our marriage. Love in our marriage was not God's goal for our marriage. Love in our marriage was not God's advice for our marriage. Men, love in our marriage was God's command. And to not love our wives is sin. Because we're supposed to love them just as Christ loved the church. That's our job. Secondly, Christ loved the sacrifice. In Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. Jesus demonstrated His love by sacrificing for us. You look in Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. His sacrifice began. But Paul says in Philippians 2, 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. His sacrifice began as he gave up the glories of heaven and came down to live on this earth. And He gave up the appearance of deity and came down as one of us. Then He lived this life with all His problems and all His troubles and with people mocking Him and ridiculing Him. And ultimately, He demonstrated His love by going to the cross and dying for us. He loved with sacrifice. Men, that is our job. We are to sacrifice for our wives and for our families. That is love. Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 15, excuse me, John 15, 13. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down, one life, lay down one's life for his friends. can't have greater love than that, men. Lay down your life for your wives and your kids. But this is not just talking about that ultimate sacrifice of taking the bullet for our wives. This is not just that idea, boy, if a car was coming to hit my kids, I'd push them out of the way and take it myself. This is talking about in everyday life, giving up myself for them. Giving up my time for them. Giving up my will for theirs. Men, in our homes, we're supposed to live what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul said, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Men, your wife is more important than you. And you're supposed to be looking out for her interests, not yours. 
That's our job. That's what Jesus did. Was He looking out for His own interest when He left heaven and came down here? Was He looking out for His own interest when He went up on that cross? Who was He thinking about? Not Himself. He's thinking about His church. Through our days, man, who do we think about? Are our lives about seeking the interests and wants of our wives? That's our job. Jesus led with providence. He provides for His church. Look there in Ephesians chapter 5. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read verse 15 and 16. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 15, Paul said, "...but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, excuse me, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It points out that this growth is caused from Christ. No doubt Christ provides for growth within the body by giving us abilities and helping us grow in them. But see, that's the point. It came from Christ. Christ is the one who has given us these gifts. Christ is the one that's helping us grow. Christ is providing for His church what we need to grow spiritually. And that's our job, men. To provide in our families. To lead and love with providence. Providing what they need. Paul described this with another picture in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28. He said, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. That's our job, to nourish and cherish our wives. To nourish, to provide the nutritional value that they need. And I think we need to view that in two different ways. Number one, certainly physically. Our job, leading with love, is to provide for the physical needs of our wives and our children. But also, it goes far beyond that. We're supposed to be providing the spiritual nutrition for our wives and for our families. What are we doing to help them grow spiritually? That's our job, men. You know, sad thing today. Across the board. You know who typically is the most spiritually minded person in the family? the wives. But men, it's our job to provide for them spiritually. That's our role. We are supposed to be spiritually minded and are supposed to provide that spiritual sustenance for our wives and our children. Paul also said to cherish And that carries with it the idea of providing emotional needs. And our wives have emotional needs. Sometimes we can't understand that. I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but most of us men just nearly aren't as emotional. But we're supposed to understand our wives and their needs. In fact, that's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Brethren, we are not allowed to toss out the cliché, Ah, women, you just can't understand them. 
Because Peter said that our job is to understand. We're supposed to examine our lives and to look at how they live and to see what they think and how they feel. And we're supposed to live according to that. Not live according to what we think they ought to think and feel, but what they do think and feel. We're supposed to live understandingly, cherishing them, providing the emotional support and safety that they need. That's our job. To lead and love providing for our family. And finally, Jesus loved with honor. Look again in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5 and verse 26, it talks about Jesus loving the church. That He gave Himself for her in Ephesians 5.26 that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. That He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. He wanted to put the church in an honorable position. He did all this not so He could be glorified, although we should glorify Him but so we could be glorified. Isn't that honoring us? Husbands, that's what we're supposed to do for our wives. Honoring our wives. Look in 1 Peter 3.7. In 1 Peter 3.7, Peter said, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. He said we're supposed to honor our wives as joint heirs of the grace of life. You know how important your wife was to Jesus? Jesus died for your wife. She was so important. And she needs to be important to you as well. And you need to treat her that way, honoring her. But secondly, he says, live with her with honor as the weaker vessel. Now, while it may be true that women in general are weaker than men in general as far as physical strength goes, I don't think that's what Peter was talking about. Secondly, I don't believe that Peter was trying to say that, oh, our wives are so weak they can't really make it through this life without men. I don't think that's what Peter's saying. Peter's presenting a picture here of a weaker vessel. It's a word picture. What is the weaker vessel? Well, a vessel was the idea of a, a, a piece of pottery that might be used to carry something. And we're talking about the weaker vessel. He's talking about the more fragile one. And when we talk about something that's fragile... You got a box that says fragile on it. What's the next thing it says? Handle with care. Because this is breakable. When Peter says honor her as the weaker vessel, he is bringing to our minds that fine piece of china that we inherited from our great grandmother. He is bringing to our minds that fine porcelain doll that we keep locked away in the curio cabinet because we don't want our kids accidentally touching it and breaking it. That's what Peter is talking about. How do we treat those things? With care and concern and protection 
Men, our wives are not rag dolls. They can be used and bruised and abused. Our wives are not the everyday stuff that we don't care. We just slam it into the dishwasher and, oh, if it changed out, it doesn't matter. We can just go to Walmart and pick up another one of those. Our wives are the fine china. The stuff that we only carry one at a time because we don't want to slam it together and fix it. That we treat with care and concern. Lest we or somebody else break her. We put her up on a pedestal, honoring her as that great and awesome gem that God has given us. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Men, you don't realize how lucky you are. Somebody married you. And I know some of you. And it shocks me. Each and every one of you is the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Because you found a wife. And you need to treat her as that good thing. Honoring her. As a fellow heir of the grace of life. And as the fragile vessel. That's our job. First Peter chapter 3, 7 then demonstrates why this issue of our role in the homes is so important. The last thing it says is that your prayers may not be hindered. The way we live at home is certainly a test of our faith. Because if we're not willing to live God's way, God says we become separated from Him. Our prayers will be hindered if we don't live properly with our wives. Why will that happen? Because sin separates us from our God. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1. Isaiah 59 and verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's what hinders prayer is sin. And Peter points out to us that if we're not living this way in our homes, we're sinning. And not only is our relationship wrong with our wives, but our relationship is wrong with God. This is our job, men. This is what we're supposed to be doing. How are you doing? Now, perhaps it's quite fortunate that Marita is sick today. Because, men, let me just confess to you that I am not all that good at all of this. I'm not standing up here telling you you need to be more like me. Because if you're more like me, you can work on that all your lives and be as much like me as possible and you'll die and probably go to hell. Because I'm not the goal. I'm not the standard. I'm working on it just like you have to work on it. Our goal and our standard is Jesus. That's who we need to be like. Wives, Please let me make this special request. Do not leave the building and say, did you hear that part? You know I was thinking about you. Because turn about fair play and next week you're getting your lesson. Our job is to be what Christ wants us to be. To think about ourselves. 
And what makes this a true test of faith is that our responsibilities are mutually exclusive of one another. Men, we have to be adults in our marriage. We're not allowed to be children. We're not allowed to dispense with this and say, yeah, but she started it. We're to be men and to be adults and fulfill our responsibility no matter how our wives are living. That's our job. Would you please pull out your songbook?